Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Welcome back to The Messy Truth, Conversations on Photography, with me, Jem Fletcher. Today I'm talking with Alice Mann. We recorded this chat the day after she won the prestigious Taylor Wessing Portrait Prize for her dynamic and uplifting project, Drummies. I was interested to talk to Alice about representation. As a white South African photographer making work about her homeland, her work raises a lot of questions about responsibility of gaze and representation. We discuss how she navigates these issues, bearing in mind her upbringing, privilege and her relationship to the country, while being motivated to tell more uplifting stories. I actually wanted to be actually in advertising, I wanted to be an art director originally, because I was like, oh, you know, I don't want to be like a struggling artist. (laughs) Then my parents said I had to get a university degree because they're quite old school and they're still like sort of that thing of you need like a degree to get a job. So then I thought, okay, well, art school, you know, that's a degree. And then they said, okay, um, which made really no sense because that's like the least guarantee in getting a job ever <laughs> is going to art school. And then I thought like I was actually going to do painting because I quite liked doing painting. And then there were like four people in the photography class and the lecturer, when we were like choosing our subjects, the lecturer was like, you did really badly in painting and like photography was your highest. And I was like, okay, well, this will help me get into advertising. So that's like why I did it. And then I just, I don't know, I guess the whole like, I suppose, fine art aspect of it and the, the like research and conceptual sort of side and being able to work long term over sort of over a period of time to create something was what I guess then I ended up being very sucked into the <laughs> fine art photography thing. Well, it sounds like actually, although maybe it wasn't your first choice at the time, once you committed to it, everything started to fall into place. Yeah, I think even looking back like, the idea that I liked of like advertising on art director was like creating spaces and scenes and narratives. Like I always liked, like since I was really young, like I'd always like to be busy doing something, like making something. I had to always be doing something. My mom would just give me like some crafts or whatever. <laughs> I'd just like make stuff. So it has always been like something that I kind of needed to do. And yeah, it kind of makes a lot of sense looking back. I think the way I've always have been very inclined towards images. I'm very like attracted by visual things and I I think for me like photographs are so interesting the way that they like form our understanding of 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 the world and I think 
you know, a lot of the time we don't even consider that. So, so to me, like, I'm, I'm just very, very interested by images and the, the kind of role that they play in, in modern society. And obviously, while you were on your degree, because you trained in South Africa, South Africa really informed a lot of your work at the beginning. But also, as you touched upon before, it's also continuing to form your work now. So why are you drawn to those stories? What is it about your heritage or your upbringing that fascinates you so much? I think it's very much driven by kind of being aware that there are very particular stereotypes that I think I see reiterated a lot in representations of of Africa in general and how it sort of conflates Africa as one idea. But then also specifically relating to South Africa, I think, and also being based here, I see the way that a lot of people view it very negatively. Like often you hear only about the crime and depictions of, of, um, you know, the spaces and people are often like very reductive, one-dimensional, and I think often very negative. So I think that's that was quite an interesting thing for me, and a lot of my work comes out of wanting to present more nuanced kind of narratives. And obviously using the position that I'm in to try and speak in a engaged and empathetic way that works more to collaborate than just like narrate people's stories. And your first body of work kind of really encapsulated that Southern Suburbs. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I guess I have always also been quite opinionated. And um, I think a lot of this, even the work now, although it's not like directly relating to myself or people around me, I think always as as an artist or photographer, what you do speaks of, of yourself and your own experiences and your own worldview. I've always been very like kind of, maybe opinionated and kind of felt like I wanted to try and show things that maybe people know a lot about but maybe try and show them in a different way and for me all of the artists that I've looked to and work that I'm interested by kind of does that it's not necessarily like breaking news but just trying to like change people's perspectives by presenting things in slightly different ways Um, and I think that is a very amazing power of, of images and the way that they can kind of subvert things and make you think and question a little bit. So yeah, I think it's definitely a motivation to kind of kind of be be putting images out that, that do that and don't kind of just reinforce things that already exist. So where did the idea for that project come from? Well I, I obviously grew up in middle class sort of Cape Town spaces, um in the suburbs. It was a very like very sheltered existence, very privileged existence, all sort of generally just all white homeowners very beautiful spaces and then obviously you go out Cape Town and there's kind of like you know it's very very um, complex and very unequal society and I think that I mean I'm a white South African photographer I have to be so aware of my position and the way that it affects my relationship to the people I work with and I think that that awareness is so important you you I mean I can't just act like that's not the case so it's just something that I I guess it was like a self-critique and like self-reflective work also, but just kind of wanting to touch on that a little bit and like acknowledge whiteness and what that actually means, because I think that whiteness isn't talked about so much. And especially in South African society, it's a very, very inflammatory topic still. I think people get very defensive a lot. I have come under fire for it too. It's not always an easy thing. And I don't know if the way that I did it was successful, but um you know, kind of started for me that thing of like just acknowledging my own position and and trying to touch upon things in ways that might make people just like reconsider what they were, you know, what what was so naturalised, I guess. I feel like the photographer's gaze is something that is, has always been important, but is becoming more and more of a focus point for discussion in the press, in 
on creative blogs and just in general between photographers, I think people are starting to realise they need to be a bit more accountable for what they're shooting and how they're working. And also I think I've noticed commissioners are really paying attention to this a lot more as well. And having known you for a long time, I know you're very aware of your sort of white African gaze and you're very conscious of that while you're making your work. And it feels like you're approaching it in a very respectful way in that, as you touched on before, you're not interested in stereotypes. You're interested in a much more soft and positive and loving gaze in terms of the subjects and how you work with them. And one thing that I've always really liked about how you work is that you very much get to know your subjects. You work on projects for years and years. You're really embedded with the people that you shoot, their families and the community you know, as you said, it's a tough space to navigate. It's a tough space to get right. It feels like you've done your best to be as accountable for that gaze as possible. I think that's all you can really try and do is just be aware and try and and listen and just keep doing your best. I never feel like I will have achieved a point where I've sort of reached where I don't need to keep making myself better and kind of stop working in that awareness. I think I can always do it and I think that's, for me, something very important. And I try to just, like, acknowledge what my position means a lot and sort of reflect on that. And I think that I try to take that into my work too. A strong aspect of your practice is the female gaze and your interest in female-led stories. Being a a female, I guess I do find working with women is like a, a kind of something that I really enjoy. And I think there's also something, you know, femininity is like, very powerful and and I think that it's important to me to kind of work towards showing showing that and and women can be you know empowered rather than kind of lacking agency or or victims because yeah I think things are changing you know there's a lot of very important conversations going on at the moment but I think that there's always more that can be done and I guess I would like to think in a small way that what I'm doing is sort of adding towards that sort of archive it's just all about trying to create a dialogue which I think is important like Things need to be talked about and, you know, I think acknowledging and and discussing is important. So it's trying to just kind of like add to that in a way. And your probably your most well-known project today is your Drummies work. Can you summarise what the Drummies project is? It's an ongoing project focusing on all female teams of drum majorettes in South Africa. And many of the teams are coming out of quite disadvantaged communities and it's kind of just highlighting the aspirational culture surrounding the sport and the way that it gives the girls involved a space to excel and how identifying as drummies positively impacts their self-confidence. I'd love to know all about it. So how did you discover the drummies? Actually, I was in Cape Town beginning of last year and like they put like newspaper billboards, like stick them onto telephone poles there, like with the headlines. And there was a headline about like, a noise complaint to some drum majorettes at a school, like the neighbours had made a noise complaint because their music was too loud. <laughs> and I was like, what? But there was a picture of them, like, on the headlight. And I was just like, wow, this is, like, I think I'm very, like, obviously look, always looking out for things that I'm very, like, inspired by, like, sort of, obviously aesthetic, but it's that thing of, like, when people dress up and then you can see that they kind of, it's like a moment where they feel amazing or smart. And... I like that idea of like a positive identification through like a uniform or through dress. So to me, it kind of spoke to that a little bit. And I sort of contacted the school and I did some portraits and I just, um, I mean, they, I thought they were beautiful, but I just felt like I hadn't done justice to 
the kind of, you, you know, and I, I didn't really know that much about the sport either. I was kind of like starting to learn a little bit and I, I attended some of their practices and I like photographed them in and out of uniform and I did some video and I kind of like, I don't know, anyway, sorry, very long story, but I went back and did like, um, looked at the images and they just weren't like amazing. And I felt like, oh, they had to be amazing, you know. And then I won like a grant uh, last year for another project and I just decided spur of the moment, like, let me just try again. So then I contacted this one school. They were like, yeah, come. It was like the week, the following week and I just went. And I think I was just completely struck by the like composure and confidence of these like extremely young girls and women. The one little girl was five and she was just so like self-assured and just very, very amazing to like work with someone so young who had that. And the thing is, all of the girls had that. And you can see like they got changed and they put their uniform on. And they're like walking around and you could kind of just see the way that their body language changed. Like they became like, they're so young, they didn't even know that, you know, but they like stand really straight and you can see that they feel beautiful and they feel like it's like an accolade to be a drummy. Like it's a representation of the fact that they work so hard and they're like wearing that uniform. It's like a badge of honor. And you can see that in, in the way they are. And I was just really blown away and kind of just, I guess, sort of an ongoing uh, passion now. Um, I've sort of worked with loads of teams and I'm going uh, going to other areas around South Africa now. But it's just, I think, very inspiring and I have so much respect for them. And that's kind of what I wanted to try and uh, attempt to communicate. Like all the coaches see it as a positive. I think a lot of parents like often apply to the schools that have drummies because they, they do see it as a positive. It's obviously like, I think in all sports, it's, it's transformative in that way. It gives them a sort of positive focus and that structure of like having the team. And what's so unique about the drummies is it's just for, it's, it's only for females. So it's a very safe space for, for them to kind of just um, have to themselves. There's no boys. Um, and especially in South Africa, it's, it's still quite a patriarchal structure, I think. Everything's very like, focused on like male genres of sports. Um, you know, girls' sports are not given so much attention. So I think... That's very interesting. And also, like, the coaches kind of want to get them, they talk about not starting them young. Like, they want to start working with them from as young as possible. They talk about beating confidence into them. Like, not not physically beating it, but they literally, like, they work so hard to make them confident. Like, that's what they see as the, like, single most important thing. And they, like, sort of reinforce their self-worth. And I think growing up in a privileged environment, you kind of up with support from your parents telling you you can achieve anything like if you work hard you can do anything and a lot of these girls don't have that they don't believe in themselves they, they wouldn't you know they haven't been given encouragement and they kind of don't have that confidence so they're like taught to have that it's very cool like you can see the older girls like the coaches talk about it a lot too like how the older girls are just once they've been in it for a while they're like very very empowered and confident and it like affects their their schooling like they perform better academically like all the girls who are drummies do better in in class because they know how to focus and they know that thing of not giving up and they believe in themselves so it's really interesting and and also I think it goes on after school like all the coaches have these success stories about like girls going on to be doctors and lawyers or whatever but I think a lot of them also like they, they stay you know they'll be stay on to become coaches after but it kind of has a lot of positive implications like you know, from, from, if you're taught from when you're young, these, these kind of life skills, um, it, it affects you going forward. And it's very, like, it's very obvious. And I think I've worked with a lot of schools and all the coaches just keep talking about this. And it's like, you can visibly see it. But also it's just the joy that they get from it. Like, they kind of 
they're like so, you know, the girls, I guess, they put their uniform on, they perform and it's like they feel beautiful and they're also like sort of viewed as like athletes. They're like really tough and they're just kind of like step into this and it's, it's just very like, I think, as a whole, the sport is very, very like transformative and also it just empowers them so much. It's like very cool to see. The, I feel like the joy is the perfect word to describe that series because <laughs> it really comes through in all of the images. You really get a sense of the, the confidence for the power. It is just such a joyful project. You're listening to The Messy Truth, conversations on photography. Yeah, I think like there's always the, the thing of bearing context in mind. You can't just negate the spaces that they're operating out of. It's not only just the good, but I think what's important to remember is that they are not reduced to their context. They're like rising above it and sort of identifying as drummies helps them like have a space where they can excel. What's next? Are you Do you have more planned? Is it, do you see it as a long-term thing or do you see an end point with it? I'm going back actually now to, to South Africa. I'm going to work in around Johannesburg, sort of expand the focus of the project a little bit. I think it's very interesting to me. It's not just around Cape Town. It's kind of all across South Africa. And it is often in sort of quite marginalised communities. So it's interesting to see like the wide reach and sort of positive impact that it has on girls across South Africa. I don't know how long term it might go. It could keep going for ages. I mean, I always love projects where you see like sort of relationships developing and and maybe you see the same people photographed over a period of time. To me, that's always very interesting. You're working on your book? Yeah, I'd love to make a book out of it. I feel like that would obviously be a nice way to kind of resolve resolve the work but yeah I think definitely I need I need to do a bit more I probably ha- I have a lot already but you know you can always always add a bit you're interested in maybe making some film starting to shoot some film yeah I was um I was looking at that which I'm still keen to do but I kind of feel like whenever I start doing it it just takes away from the pictures of it so I need to like I think divide my time better I don't seem to be good at doing both it's very hard to do both in one day yeah Yeah, you kind of need to separate it and have one day focused on and then I always would like rather take the pictures because that's just like you know I think I need to I need to work out like a sort of better operation of going forward there is something I, I would like to do to kind of just expand the narrative a little bit it feels like your work sort of automatically fell into the fine art world. It didn't seem planned. It just seemed to be the type of projects you made and how people responded to your work seemed to suit more of a gallery context. So I think I often was like a bit between fashion and documentary. That wasn't quite like an obvious... For me, it was like people whose work I liked did both. But it was difficult, I guess, to kind of like fall into that space because it's not one or either and people I think often want to categorize and that was also quite interesting in itself for me because a lot of my work is about not categorizing or showing things in between and it's like weird that like what I was making was literally like people weren't sure what it was meant to be. Well it's kind of interesting that you're almost letting the work go on its own journey and you're not trying to define it in some ways. I've always had a sense of what I wanted to do and I think I've been very lucky to have some amazing people like giving me advice which has definitely influenced and helped me a lot I think also sometimes it works well and I just kind of follow things a bit and see if they work or if they don't because I'm quite inclined like I'm a bit of a people pleaser like I tend to just like listen to people sometimes so often like I might go with something that someone said and then end up it's not actually working because it's like done in my way in the way that they suggested so it's like kind of 
being able to take certain bits from advice and apply it to what I'm doing, but also just follow what I want to do, I think, because it's always a negotiation. <laughs> Are you learning to trust your instincts? Yeah, I'm also like, I kind of guess, but quite naturally, like, self-deprecating. You are, um, that's very true. So, so I think that's always been difficult, is to like, almost not listen to sometimes what people tell me, because I, I do ask for advice a lot. I love hearing what people think. So it's kind of like, just sometimes knowing that maybe what I'm doing isn't wrong, because I guess there's no right or wrong, but just to sometimes like, have the confidence to stick with something for a little bit and explore it. Sometimes you make something and you're like, okay, that's not working. Okay, next thing, you know, but it's just having the like, the the confidence to stick with it a bit and give things a chance. Like, I guess you can't always do everything that works, but it's yeah. just sort of like, that's okay. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's how you sort of move towards success in photography is that you keep going because with everything, there are successes and failures and that's part of the process. And I feel like you learn more with the failures, especially in photography. Like sometimes it can be so brutal if you've invested so much time and money yeah. into a body of work. And for whatever reason, it's just not working. But the, what you can take away from that, I feel like means the next body of work will be much more powerful. Yeah, I have actually had that like a lot in retrospect. Like, I think you actually helped me with a series of mine, which is like parties. And it wasn't good, but... Like doing that taught me a lot of stuff with what I'm doing now. And I've, I've had that quite a lot. Like I would be just doing something and it wouldn't be right. But then like you can shelve it and take something from it still. And I think like that's a really like there's always something you can take from everything. I kind of do try and look at things like that. But that's tough. It sounds easy when you say it, but actually in <laughs> practice, it's really hard to stay motivated. And, you know, as creatives, we put so much into our work and it is super personal if you really, really care about it. Yeah, it can be brutal. It can like really bash your ego. It can be really bash your confidence. So plugging away and just, you know, moving through that difficulty and that discomfort is just such an important part of being a successful creative. I think. <laughs> it's always difficult. For me, it's just about doing something. Like I just wanted, that's what, what I'm happy with. So it's, it wasn't necessarily like, it was more just about like finding a way to do it and like survive. That was like an ideal situation. <laughs> but um, so so just to be doing it is is cool. But yeah, it is nice obviously to have, I think, I feel like there is success in realising that what you have tried to translate or attempted to kind of discuss seeing that people are, are are reading that from what you've done is is like a nice feeling I think it kind of I feel like that that's a success in a way beyond those ideas what other challenges do you feel like you face in your work when I first moved to London yeah I was like kind of broke I guess a lot and I guess also like the one project I did was just on the weekends like I'd have to work around it so it's more just like finding that space and that time to do it but it was always something I really liked so it, it was more just like that was a motivator for me to like do the other stuff to be able to just finance. fund what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And it's always just been like trying to find some way to like fund stuff that, so I can just keep making more. And I, I'm quite good, I guess, at like working on like sort of quite low budgets because for the last four years I've been self-funding everything. So it was a bit of a cycle of like when I started doing more work again in South Africa like saving like a demon for like six months and then going and like spending all my money on film and projects and then being broke again and like doing that cycle for two years. But it's still like, I guess it was, you know, that's what I was happy because um, I was getting to, to make the work. But I think getting sort of funding and being recognised in that people are you know, paying for stuff is always cool. And it just facilitates being able to put more like time and energy into into making the work rather than like stressing so much about 
budget and kind of working things out. And I think it can be limiting, of course. Like, it's stressful to be doing that. That's not what I'm obviously inclined towards. Um, so, yeah, it is, I, I guess, quite emancipating to just think about what what I kind of want to do and, and how can I do it and not sort of stressing about, like, external factors. Well, I feel like that's a great point to talk about <laughs> the fact that last night you won the Taylor Wessing Portrait Prize. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Does it feel real yet? Uh, not really. It's kind of like, it just feels a bit, um, a little bit surreal, I think, still. It's weird because, as I said earlier, like, I kind of don't want any t- attention on me. Like, it's more about the work. So it feels like weird to have that conflated in a sense. So it's like a bit of a weird thing. But it's exciting that so many people are drawn to the story of the drummies and the girls and everything we, we've been talking about. I mean, I, I do feel like on like they are honestly such amazing young women that I worked with. Like I really, really, as I said, I had I have so much respect for them. And I'm just really happy that other people like can see that. And that obviously came across in my images. That's what pleases me the most, I guess, is that other people can can see their charisma and their like their confidence and and you know, those images like I don't, I don't really set them up or stage them. Well, I, they all, they all set up. The girls do what they want. They, they perform to me in front of the camera how how they want. I don't, you know, direct them. So th- I think that's really cool. It's like just them, and what they wanted to do, and that's like what people are responding to. So that's yeah. a very cool thing for me. It's funny because you mentioned that you kind of entered on a whim. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it's a bit known. It's like really hard to get in. You know, like I know so many amazing people who have entered so much and like have never made it. So I think it's a bit of a, um, I was kind of like, oh, I was away and I wasn't going to. And then um, Gideon, who I work with, was like, no, no, you just really should. And I was like, okay. And I just entered. The, <laughs> yeah, I just, I Is it like, the first time you entered? Um, you know, I, I meant to enter last year, but I forgot. So I think it actually is <laughs> the, first sure you are. <laughs> the first time I entered, yeah. And oh my God, lucky in 2018. <laughs> and it's really cool as well that like, obviously four got selected because I normally work in series. So it's really nice that they can be viewed in relation with each other. And people can kind of see it's not just like one isolated incident, but it's like actually sort of a um, like ongoing engagement. Yeah, I thought that was really important. The fact they actually, you, you know, the show was actually really well curated this year yeah, and they gave really you good. a whole wall and having four <laughs> prints selected is unprecedented. Yeah. So that that's really exciting. But you feel like you can move through the girl's story by meeting so many of them on that wall. It's great. Yeah. And I guess it's nice also as like the only woman. I think it's a, some kind of male-dominated environment. So For it's like sure. quite poignant that it was like an all-female story as well, I feel like. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really, really important and really fantastic that already, you know, your work is being talked about this morning all over the world, which is an incredible, <laughs> yet slightly maybe overwhelming opportunity for you, which is really exciting. Seems so strange, but I am really excited to go back and I'm going to actually go see the one school on Friday. So I have some things to take back to them and that's always like, it's the best, like, I don't know, they, they are just so cool, like. Like, I, I always got really well with kids and stuff like you know I was babysitting young siblings and stuff like they're just so cool to hang out with and I'm so excited that I can like go back and take stuff to them like that's going to be a nice like sort of nice element I suppose, yeah them seeing themselves on the front cover of the program <laughs> will be amazing yeah because always like oh when they go you know they're like where's this going to be I was like oh I'm not sure like you know I don't want to go and say I have no idea anyway so it's always it's always also a very like ongoing engagement like 
if anything happens, I check with the coaches and check, you know, sort of like everyone's very involved from from always the, the beginning and a sort of, you know, I always have relationships much after I finish working with people. Um, I like them. It's important that everybody is involved um, because it's not just me doing it. Like everybody gave me their trust and, you know, it was it happened because of other people. One thing I'm doing on the podcast is asking everybody to share a piece of advice for other photographers. It could be photographers who are starting out or just something that you've learned this year. Honestly, for me, it was like maybe a lame piece of advice, but like having people who whose work you respect and who you trust around you. Like, I just feel like for me, like I've had such an amazing, since I moved to London and I've kind of like, I've interned with people and sort of had opportunities to come into contact with like various people in different creative fields. But I, I just feel like surrounding yourself with people who inspire you and making an active effort to like reach out to people who whose opinions you might trust and who can advise you in things. It's just so valuable. That's really like, because it's, it's difficult. It can be like quite alienating and there's no like particular path or structure that you can take. Like everybody does a different thing. And I think often you just see like the successes of everyone else and can feel like you're doing everything wrong. So to have people giving you advice and kind of like feedback and stuff, I, I just feel like it's really, really huge. And where can people find you online? Um, on my Instagram. What's your handle? Is, uh, it's got a funny spelling. It's, <laughs> so it's Alice Mann with four N's. I also have an account with three N's, which I locked myself out of three years ago. So that's not <laughs> the one. It's four N's. And then I also have my website, which is alicemann.co.uk. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for coming in and congratulations again. I'm so excited for you. I know, I'm honoured to be on the podcast, as I said. Thanks for listening to The Messy Truth. You can find more information about today's guests in the show notes. Theme music is changed by Judd Greenstein from the album Awake and design is by Ruby White. You can follow updates on the podcast on my Instagram at Jem Fletcher or subscribe to my newsletter at gemfletcher.com. Feel free to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.